Honest Books Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gerrand, and I'll be giving you my honest thoughts on the books I read. While the reviews will be short and to the point, they'll include everything you want to know without any spoilers to help you figure out what you should read next. So with that said, let's jump right in. Welcome to our month of nonfiction November. If you follow Brutally Honest Books on Instagram or you're part of the book club, then you will have already seen this announcement. But if you are hearing it here for the very first time, let me introduce you to this month's monthly theme. Again, it is nonfiction November. And I think there are a lot of people who have a knee-jerk reaction to hearing that, to hearing nonfiction, and they just assume it's not going to be for them. But the whole point of doing nonfiction in November is to specifically try and find books that are niche or just interesting. Because I think when a lot of people hear nonfiction, they just think about generic history books, things about World War II, or just these bigger kind of boring topics, books that are 500 to 600 pages. But that is exactly the type of a cliche that we are trying to turn on its head for this month and try and find books that are particularly interesting. And fortunately, we are kicking off this month with a book that does exactly that. I have nothing but good things to say about this book, but unfortunately, I actually did record an entire review on this book. This is a take two, essentially, and I went back and looked at my files, and it turned out that like 90% of the episode had been gone, deleted, never recorded. I have no idea, but I do know that Mercury is not in retrograde as far as I'm aware, so it is entirely my own fault. I have no idea how it happened. But the thing is, when I read a book, I also jot down different thoughts that I have, likes, dislikes, things to remember, things I want to mention and bring up. And after I did that initial recording, I, that's right, threw away that page of notes, so I no longer have that with me. So everything I'm going to be talking about is purely from memory. Pretty sure I can remember everything that I wanted to discuss, but just in case this isn't the best or most comprehensive book review, then at least you guys know why. But like I said, this is a very positive review, so it should be pretty easy. It should also be pretty snappy. And with that said, let's just jump right in. So you will see from the title of this episode that the book is titled How to Be a Renaissance Woman. The subtitle is The Untold History of Beauty and Female Creativity. And this is written by the author Jill Burke. And just to very quickly tell you who Jill Burke is, I believe that she should actually be addressed as Dr. Jill Burke, since she does have her PhD. But she herself, as well as the publishers, just listed Jill Burke. I'm not sure if they avoided the title doctor because they were maybe afraid that this would appear too much like a textbook or too educational and maybe just listing Jill Burke would be more approachable. I'm not really sure, but I do just want to mention that and give her credit where it's sort of due. She's also an art historian and a professor at Edinburgh University and written all sorts of other books on different sort of art historical or art historically adjacent topics. And this book in particular was actually just published in the summer of this year, I think in like July. So a very, very new publication. Oh, and very quickly, the book is only like around 250 pages roughly. And even some of those pages at the back are just different Renaissance era recipes. So the actual text of the book is even shorter than that. 
So I stumbled across this book. Obviously, I was in the bookstore looking for books that would perfectly fit this theme, right? So nonfiction books that look interesting or niche and just really capture my interest, other readers' interest, and not something really long and boring. So this book initially caught my eye just solely on the cover alone. It is this gorgeous Renaissance painting. So it has this deep black background and this woman on the front. If you're interested in seeing a photo of the cover, you can see it on Instagram at Brutally Honest Books, or you can just Google it. But it is a gorgeous image, and the title is in a really big, bold font, and the title really just kind of caught my eye, How to Be a Renaissance Woman. So I have to say that the title and the cover really did its job in kind of jumping out from the bookshelf to kind of catch somebody's eye and have them pick it up. But I do have to say that personally, I'm not crazy about the title. I don't think that it does the best job communicating what is inside the book. But I think something like that is just kind of splitting hairs and maybe being a little bit nitpicky. But I think I just want to bring it up because, again, I have so many great things to say about this book and do want to do my best to communicate what is in the book and what you're going to get from it. And I just don't think that the title totally does that job. So that's not really meant to be directed at anybody. That's really just me sharing my thoughts with you guys, with my friends. So again, this book really caught my eye and I kind of picked it up, but I wasn't really sure what to expect from the book. And obviously that is kind of the whole point of this review to tell you guys what you can expect from this book. So essentially what it is, is it is a deep dive. I mean, I hesitate to use the word deep dive because it doesn't go too deep. So I guess I would say it's more of a comprehensive overview of the beauty ideals in the Renaissance era and what that meant and really looking at it from all different angles as well as all of the different avenues that it sort of branched out into. And as the reader, you can also kind of infer how the modern day beauty industry has been built on this foundation. So what do I mean by comprehensive? First, I do want to sing praises to the way that this book is organized. It is incredibly well-structured. It is very clear, very concise and to the point. Again, it's like less than 250 pages. So the author really keeps things moving while giving you an overview of all of these different topics that the beauty ideals or industry touched upon. And what I mean by that is... The author, the author does touch on both actual physical products that came out of this era or were produced in this era, as well as talking about the ideals of the time and why they strove to achieve that type of appearance. And the way that she does that is by using real women as examples of that point. And a lot of women, she mentions, that have been overlooked by other history books. But she does use real women to reinforce these points. Some were writers, actors, singers, all of these different types of women that enforce whatever topic she's talking about in that chapter. And additionally, her background in art history it does come into play, which I really enjoyed. And there are even paintings that she has in the book that show the women or describe something that she was talking about. So you do get these beautiful images of these gorgeous Renaissance paintings in the book as well. So she touches on things like actual physical makeup products that were produced in this era, things like makeup or these different mixtures that would lighten your hair, you know, actual physical tangible products, as well as again, the beauty ideals that were reinforced at the time. So things like they liked women with lighter hair. 
Like they didn't like hair that was too blonde or too light or too dark, but sort of right in the middle. That kind of Botticelli Venus colored hair. Things like the beauty ideals of how big or small somebody's body should be. Again, kind of right in the middle, not too thin and not too large. And again, she's an art historian. So she's talking about the history behind these physical products and the chemical process, the ingredients that they used and how they kind of arrived at this concoction and how it was used, as well as the history behind these different beauty ideals and how we kind of got there. And something I really appreciated that she did in relation to the beauty ideals is talking about it from all sorts of different angles and kind of covering her bases. So what I mean by that is one of the things that she does is use two real women to also show both schools of thought regarding these beauty ideals. On one hand, women found it incredibly empowering since this was one of the few things that they did have control over was their physical appearance. It was a way to be creative as well as potentially submersive and rebellious. But the other school of thought, even at the time, was that we are wasting our brain power on something like this. It's just a way to occupy our time. And ultimately, it's just sort of serving the male gaze. And again, you have women on the other school of thought saying, you know, it's not the male gaze. It's really all about the female gaze. We're doing this for ourselves or even for other women. So point being, she just uses real women who actually wrote on this topic at the time and what their different thoughts were to kind of show both sides of the argument. Because I think ultimately it is a mixed bag and ultimately it is a little bit of both. And I think it's up to every woman to kind of determine for herself. But again, covering her bases. So those are not the only bases that she covers. She also talks about how these beauty ideals were born out of racism and it's completely white Eurocentric. And she also kind of briefly touches on how it was informed by stereotypical gender roles. So she does briefly touch on homosexuality at the time. I guess what you could also consider trans individuals, even though they didn't really have the right terminology at the time. But again, my point being is that she discusses all of the different angles surrounding this topic. It's not as if she's also just writing from the white Eurocentric point of view. Ultimately, that is the bulk of the content and that ultimately is what she's writing about just because, again, those were the ideals of the time. But she does address these other aspects of it and the fact that these other individuals did exist at the time and their relationship to these beauty ideals, right? So she does talk about certain ways and certain things that they may be used at the time to alter their appearance in whatever way they wanted to. And ultimately, this is an incredibly interesting book just because of the era that it takes place in, the Renaissance era. I feel like as a society, we're kind of forgetting the impact that the Renaissance era had just because it was this explosion of like ideas and creativity because of all of these things kind of coming together. So you have all of these port cities that are booming and Venice is one of them because this book predominantly takes place in Italy. But she does touch on some of these other cultures that brought their own beauty ideals and methods of achieving that to Italy. So you had a lot of peoples from the East because of these port and trading cities that were booming. And not only are they bringing beauty ideals or just ideas in general, but they're also bringing these tools. They're bringing all these ingredients. You also have the printing press. That is a big one because it was a way to 
rapidly and widely disseminate information. So there were actually these booklets that were printed that had like recipes or these sort of beauty guides that would go out to women. And then you have the production of paintings and statues that are kind of reinforcing these beauty ideals through their version of like modern media. It is so fascinating. And obviously every culture since the dawn of time had their own form of beauty ideals to some degree, but I do feel like the Renaissance is kind of the birth of modern day beauty ideals and production that we have today because of these things like the printing press, these port cities. I feel like everything previously was potentially in isolation. But I feel like this is really the beginning of this melting pot and kind of consumerism and capitalism in regards to this. I think that's getting a little bit too deep and a little bit too heavy. But the point I'm just trying to make is that this is a particularly interesting era. And I think it's really the beginning of the beauty industry that we are currently living in. And something else, too, that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode is how Jill Burke talked about all of the different branches, I guess, that the beauty industry at the time touched upon. And what I meant by that is, you know, you have these beauty products, but she also talks about the way that it kind of touched on things like medicine and even things like their version of plastic surgery, which again, these things are ultimately informed by the beauty ideals of the time because, you know, pockmarks weren't seen as chic or aesthetically pleasing. And the same thing with plastic surgery, to be missing a nose wasn't seen as attractive. So obviously a lot of the times that these methodologies were employed, it was because of the beauty ideals at the time. But at the same time, it's kind of touching upon the medical need a little bit as well. And maybe my point with that is that this is not just a book for women. This is incredibly interesting for every reader. And I think that's the biggest thing that I want to get across is how interesting it is. So Jill Burke did such an excellent job as an author. I think it's very obvious that she's written other books before, especially being an art historian. You have to write so much. You have to constantly be publishing. So she is incredibly talented at getting across information, but doing it in a very interesting way, a very approachable way for the average reader, and again, doing it in a way that is very concise. So this book never drags, it's never boring, it covers all of these different topics, all of these different angles, and in a way that you are going to stay interested in reading this and retain this information. I think my only miscellaneous kind of notes on this book would be, you know, it does stay on the slightly more topical side of things. And I want to be clear, it's not a topical book. It does give you all of the information on this topic or topics where you've learned something, you can walk away from it, you can talk about it, you can tell somebody else about it. But I do feel like a lot of these topics in this book could be their own book. That being said, if those topics were their own books, right, like a standalone book on just one of these topics, that would be something that is potentially a little bit more dull for the average reader. I think if you're a nonfiction reader, you have an avid interest in history or topics like that, or maybe just have hyperfixations, then that is something that you would enjoy. But again, I think if it had gone down that route and you had all of these separate books on these separate topics, it's not as approachable or readable for the average individual. And by average, I don't mean dumbed down. Again, I just mean really keeping your interest in this topic. Because I do think that that is actually kind of difficult to do because you do want to make sure that you communicate all of the information and really make your point. 
but not taking too long to do that. So anyway, basically, I just think that, you know, you could find books that are on any of these specific topics. And that could actually be just how you use this book. If there is a topic in this book that you found particularly interesting, you could always try and seek out some other book that's just on the topic. Like, you know, the plastic surgery, for example, there has to be a book on that just because, again, it was kind of touched on, but there's probably so much more to it. All of the different objects that they created, like the nose was a big one in particular, so we can talk about that. But, you know, they would either create like these wax noses or they would even have blacksmiths or metal workers create these metal noses. They would have like ribbons attached to the side that they tied behind the head. So fascinating, so interesting. And the reason that that is a part of the book, which I won't give away too much information. I think it's interesting to kind of read for yourself and find out. But basically, Jill Burke is specifically talking about the beauty ideals at the time and how affecting somebody's nose, perhaps getting into a scrap with them and removing their nose, how that would majorly hinder somebody's face, particularly at the time because of the beauty ideals of the time, right? So again, that is her focus, but I am sure that if that's something that you were super interested in, you could find a book that would talk about more of the methodologies, maybe a little bit more from a medical standpoint or just from the standpoint of creating these physical objects, how they did that, all the different variety. You get the idea. And myself in particular, I was really captivated by one topic, which was this underground network of women that would create and sell poisons to sell to other women to poison and kill their abusive husbands. And that's something else that she talks about in this book is really how these beauty ideals of the time affected or strengthened female friendships or relationships. It could also be romantic with a partner. So that is incredibly interesting on its own. But in particular, this whole underground poison network is so fascinating and how some of the women were caught either poisoning their husbands or buying it and how they had them essentially just snitch on the women who were making it and selling it to get them caught so that they themselves would have immunity and they would catch these women you know, at the source. But that is so interesting for the Renaissance era. I personally would love some sort of like lengthy podcast season on that. I'm not sure if there's enough information to do a book, but if there was like a podcast season on this, I would devour it. So again, I cannot say enough positive things about this book. It is so well done. It does exactly what it says it's going to do. And it actually exceeded my expectations a little bit just because, again, I didn't really know what to expect. I was a little hesitant. I wasn't really sure just based on the title, but I was so very pleasantly surprised. And this is a very solid recommendation. And I didn't really talk about it at length, but again, there are the recipes at the back of the book. So these are Renaissance era. Jill Burke herself has actually created these recipes and tried them out, but it's for things like rose water, lip balms, and completely true to the time period. So that is something very cool and very fun. I also don't know if this is possible, but when I was reading this book, I actually had the thought that this would make, I think, an incredibly interesting museum exhibition of some sort. I'm not really sure how you would do it just because I'm not really sure if you would want to include paintings, if there are enough artifacts left over, like things like containers or tools. I don't know if there's enough material, but that's just the thought that I had. I think that would be super rad if it's possible because I also think it'd be kind of cool either for kids to have some sort of station or not even kids. I would probably do it and I'm 30, but some sort of like setup where you could create some of these products yourselves, like the lip balm or the rose water or whatever. 
or to have them already made in the museum shop where you could buy them. Something like that would be kind of cool. But again, I don't know if there's enough like physical material to do that, but it just kind of speaks to how captivated and kind of taken with this topic I was. So I think I'm going to have to give this five stars. It accurately does what it says it's going to do. And Jill Burke does it in such a great way. So if you are interested in this book and you end up reading it, let me know what your thoughts are. And as always, stay tuned for next week's episode. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming. So next week is an interview. Then we're back with a book review, then classics and cocktails and so on and so forth. And if you feel so inclined, the biggest way to support me and the podcast and what I do is to scroll down to the bottom and hit those five stars. And if you're interested in more content just between episodes or in addition to these episodes, you can follow Brutally Honest Books on Instagram and on TikTok. And with that said, I will talk to you in the next episode. much for listening to the brutally honest books podcast make sure to subscribe on itunes spotify or wherever you're listening from if you like the show you can rate and review on itunes and be sure to follow along on instagram at brutally honest books